and we share a whole series this week, this week, this month, and by the grace of God. Now, on Wednesday night, all the twelves is going to be here with their twelves, and uh, you say, what's twelve? It's disciples. We make disciples. We believe people can turn the world upside down, and that you have a great calling. Now, one thing that, uh, because we speak about commitment, and to live your calling, to fulfill your life mission, your life will never be complete. Until you do what you were designed for. Help me somebody. Because if you use your life for anything else. That's why the word purpose and calling. Uh, is more than a hundred times. That scripture refer to you, you are called. Say I am called. You must know that God has called you. You must know. Well, in the, in the back of religious people's mindsets, we th- is it Pastor Peter there? Pastor Peter, wow, awesome and his awesome wife. Give them a God bless you. A powerful preacher, a musician, and uh, just lovable people. Now, now you, you must realize in the old way, we had a superstar standing on the platform. You have a big chief and the everyone other ones is Indians. No, no, with God, we have missed now with all the concepts of the past. We never impact the nation during COVID. The nations are in trouble all over the world because we don't live our calling. Come on, people. Well, I'm not called. I don't have a title. I don't have a position. That's nothing. The only function of the title in Ephesians chapter 4 is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Ministry is work. And it's a great work because I'm going to give you the the things that I touched last Sunday night also on the broadcast. And uh, I want to help you to deal with drifting. Most people, Jesus made a statement. He says, occupy till I come. Why don't we occupy? Do you know you have rulership over the devil? With his aunt, his grandmother, with even Casper, you have authority. You have authority over every witch doctor. You know it. You have authority and power over every circumstance through Jesus. Because he conquered the grave, hallelujah. He said, Tetelestai, it is finished, it is done. I have conquered the third day he rose up. And now Paul comes with the revelation. He says, we were crucified with him, buried with him, resurrect with him. We ascend with him. Now we are seated in heavenly positions. We are seated in the heavens. Come on, somebody. So you need to look at earth Out of God's perspective, God's way. Isaiah 55, my ways are higher than your ways. And now the theologians years ago, we we interpret it. We will never understand God. We cannot get by to God. No, that's not what it means. God said, actually, come up, change your thought life and think like I think. Because the New Testament says, I have the mind of Christ. So I don't look at my life from a defeated position. I don't look at my life through the circumstances. I look at through heaven's perspective. Jesus made the statement in John chapter 10 verse 10. He says, I came that you might have the zoe. 
Greek word, life as God has it right now, and have that life in abundance. Now, to understand the calling, because Satan tries to, that you will not occupy, that you will feel, uh, excuse that I'm alive. He wants you to look like a viscous piece of bokum. Like dry boltong there from the Kalahari. Droog, so droog. While God said, you are a giant, you are an overcomer, you are a mover, a shaker. You will lay your hands on the sea, God will heal them. You will cast out devils. You will raise the dead. You will take up poisonous things, nothing will happen. You will speak in new tongues. In John, Jesus said, the works I have done, you will do them also. Somebody say, I'm called to do the works of Jesus. You see, the the, the devil doesn't want you to understand. And then Jesus said, you will do greater works. So your life is designed for greater works. What you are going through right now, it's not because you have made a mistake. And if you may just get over it, build the bridge, just walk forward and say, are we moving forward? The devil wants you to be in captivity. Isaiah chapter 5 because of a lack of knowledge the devil is not your problem your mother-in-law is not your problem and the president is not your problem and the next one uh, no it's a lack of knowledge not even the uh, Satan with all his plans he says because of a lack of knowledge my people my capital M-I God himself my people perish they go into captivity Uh, That's why they cannot perform the priestly calling that God has on them. That means I have access. Now, the enemy wants you to drift away. So what's the three things? Number one, we said last week, guilt, distractions, and excuses. It's too hot. It's too cold. I'm too skinny. I'm too fat. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too unhappy. I had too much bad experiences. Excuses are fabricated out of the dark pit of hell to to cripple people, not to walk in the fullness of God. That's why the church world everywhere preach double portion. Double portion's got nothing to do with a New Testament believer. Double portion was Elijah and Elisha, the one that ate miracles, the other one that uh, 15 while he was alive, then they buried him, and the 16th miracle happened when there was war, and they throw a corpse into the grave, and the corpse got in contact with the dead bones, hallelujah, and he jumped out of the grave, and he was alive. Now, the Bible doesn't say double, it's a full, say I have the fullness in me. You see, because with double portion, we move in a a limitation. And that's why the author of the book of Hebrews chapter 2, 1 NIV translation says, we must pay more careful attention. Therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Drifting is part of Satan's plan. God's just got a plan A. He doesn't have a plan B, C, D, and E. He just have one plan and that we need to come. And that's where there's a shifting and a moving. And people are coming together all over the world who are coming into God's plan. Because it's either God's plan or my plan. Now, who knows? Our plans never carries the guarantee of the end product. There's, a, there's a, a museum in New York. You pay about $250 to go from all the inventions that didn't work 
So people rather pay $250, go to the museum, see what didn't work, while, <laughs> rather than invest billions in something that was already tried and couldn't work. And they save themselves a lot of heartaches and pain because there's only a plan A. Now, talking about your calling this morning, let me give you and refresh your mind about this because this is one call. Actually, I don't like telephones. Our telephone can ring in the middle of the night. It rings two, three o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and normally when the phone rings that time of the morning, you know it's either trouble or death. Bad news. So normally you don't want to answer the phone that time of the morning. And uh, they say, they did research. Since you open your eyes until you sleep in a 24-hour cycle, you are more than five hours on your phone. Can we be personal? Who goes to the toilet without his phone? Only you. Okay, we have two people. You're amazing. Oh my word. You're phenomenal. Just because you go to the toilet without your phone, come here. The one that raised his hand also there at the back. Just because you go and buy a hamburger, whoever, somebody else, some of you want, no, no, you're too late. You're too late. Doesn't help you raise your hand now. All of us. Spend our time. Now, please don't say he gives people money to pray. No, that's not what I do. Money is just a tool. And uh, listen, but there's one call. It keeps on ringing. Your whole life, it goes. Then you don't want to answer it. Wherever you go, you suddenly hear there's a calling. And that's the calling of God. That's one call that you don't want to miss. What if you inherit? And that's the only call that can tell you what you have. Otherwise, they're going to try other siblings of this family and they want to phone you, the attorneys, and the, say you have inherited 50 million rand and you don't answer that call. Are you going to say, I'm so glad I didn't answer it. Oh, glory to God. No, you say, stupid. You're really crazy. Why don't you answer the call? Now, God's call is much more than this 50 million. Because it's eternity. And Paul comes and he addressed the Christians. Because if every born again believer, there are six to seven billion people on the face of the earth. And stat says three billion are Christians. We didn't grow out of that bracket. Because if every Christian was living his calling and three billion Christians stands this morning up and say, we each are going to testify to one person, we will have six billion Christians in less than a week. South Africa, they say 80% Christians. But we don't move nothing. Now, I told you about my nose last week and somebody sent me Whoever sent me that message, you were a blessing. I cannot remember and said, it says, Dale, wonderful. She said, you look at your nose. Look at the president's nose. And says, Dale, 
God delivered me immediately. When I look at that nose, I said, thank you, Jesus. I thought you had the last clay on my nose. No, I know what you did with the last clay. See, family, you need to know your life is meant to count. You're so important to God. And the devil know how God is in love with you and how far you can love God. And he know how powerful you're going to be and can be and is. So he's not going to fold his arms and let you live your calling. He's going to fight you. He'll fight you through religious people. He'll fight you through systems. He'll fight you through, we have never done it that way before. And he got you in the trap. That's why I've learned. Don't do things. Do operate as God. There's crucial moments. What's the crucial moment of a mother who's pregnant who's going to give birth? Not in eight months and, uh, well, she's got a week to go. That moment when the contractions start happening and the pain, and she's going to give birth to something that never exists before. That's the crucial. It's the same in ministry and in your calling. Now, now Scripture comes, and Paul addressed the Christians in Romans chapter 8, 28. NIV translation, we know that in all things, God works for the good. God works for the good. God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called. Say, I have been called. Say again, I have been called. Now, now, what people try and say, our callings are different. No, this call, all the same. Your job may be different. Because uh, your, your job, your vocation, that's the word actually there. But we have watered the word vocation so down and say, I'm called to be a doctor. I'm called to be a mechanic. I'm called to be a police officer. I'm called to, be, to bake some cupcakes or whatever. I'm called to be a... no. That's just your job. Your true vocation is to live out heaven's calling. Because until you start living out what you were designed for, you will be miserable. You will have ups and then you think you hit the target. Then you go down in the valley and your whole life starts falling apart. Because we have one thing. I'll do it my way. Now, our way is very dangerous. We either do it God's way or there's no way. Help me. Now, now, there's eight things that you need to know about your calling. Let me just touch and then I take you through the other four, the, the four that I mentioned last Sunday here in the service. Number one, my calling is a gift from God. It's a calling, it's a gift. I don't earn it. I cannot work for it. God has designed. He, 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 he wants me. He doesn't need me. God can use angels. He used a donkey. He used Mr. Delivery. Was not the pizza place that found out. Or Kentucky Fried Parabokis that find out Mr. Delivery. You phone and here they drop the food. No. In 1 Kings 17. God had a Mr. Delivery. He was flying with pure meat, hallelujah, and supply the prophet. So what God does, what you must realize, it's a gift. I, I, I get, I nearly said contractions. 
when these young ministers say, I'm so gifted when I prayed, when I laid my hands, when, when I am there, the crowds, and I think, <laughs> there's a tribe in the Bible, G-A-D. How will you say that in English? I said, they're going to see their tribe without a mirror. Some of you will get that later. I didn't say any bad thing. Because it's me, it's I, how powerful I am. My word. In him we live, we move, have our being. Without him, remember that old song. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I will surely fail. I will be like a ship without a sail. So it's only in him that I can live, move, and have my being. <laughs> Come on, family, because this is very important that you understand your calling is a gift from God. Number two, what we touched on last week, I'm called for God's plan purpose. Not what your parents want, not what your husband want, not what your wife want, not what the government want, not what the, the psychiatrists say you are called to do hair, but actually you need to be a mechanic. No, you are called for God's purpose. Every other thing in life, business, and whatever you do is just a job. Job stands for just over broke. You need to tap into God's way of doing. Because Galatians chapter 1, 6 says, NCV translation, God by his grace through Christ has called you has called you to become his people. 2 Timothy 1.9 NIV. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. God's purpose is the most important thing. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But it's God's purposes only that can prevail. The third reason what you must know about your calling is this so powerful. God chose my calling before I was born. When God saved me, I thought, Jesus, you've got a bargain here. Then I discovered he had a disaster. He got a disaster. That was me. He take a disaster. He turn him into a pastor that becomes a devil blaster. That's what God wants to do with you. Because God has planned. I remember that time when I say I went to the ministry. I want to go. Oh my word. My mother and father had every high official. They got the outster from the Neva Apostolis. And then they got the priest. And then they got this one. And then they had another. He was a pilot to talk me out of that. I just know that I know that I know I was called for the ministry at the age of 13. When I gave my heart to the Lord that night there in Brentwood Park on that small holding in that house. I know I was called. I came out of a generation out of the 1700s of Dutch reform ministers. I was the first one out of 191700 that became a charismatic, cruzomatic, Pentecostal preacher. So my grandmother called me and she said, from this day on, you're no longer part of this, the toy family, and uh, you disinherit from the name. And uh, she called me names that I didn't understand until I moved to Cape Town. Then I said, oh, is that what she meant? 
So whenever I say I'm not white, I offend nobody. That's what my grandmother told me. Now, as a baby, I was very ugly. I was ugly. Now, now my grandfather on my mother's side, they didn't know about caricots. I was born in Zambia, and they had caricots there, and my mother came to visit because I had the small head, and my hair was standing like a, a mango pip. You know, you suck it. Then, so, so my grandfather was help unloading, and then he walked with the carry cot. He thought it was a suitcase, and he said, Sissy, where's the baby? She said, that's the thing that you are swinging, and that I didn't fell on my head. I later on fell on my head, but I didn't that time. You see, the, the, the thing you need to realize is that God chose you before you were born. He's got a plan. He worked it out. He's got the finest detail of your life. Nothing to God by surprise this morning. And God said, Oh my heerlijkheid. Ek het nie geweet, Nolan gaan in die kerk wees vanmorgen nie. Oh my, he surprised me. God knows it. Ladies, he knows the real color of your hair. He knows our age. I went to a doctor on Friday. He thought I was 45. I sat there. I think, my word, I pay you double now. And he said, for a 45, and he was going on. And I said, doctor, I'm not 45. And he looked at me because he's younger than what I am. But he looks like he's ready for. I said, I'm 65. He said, Wow, young 65. God called you. And he designed you. To be this time of your life. On the face of the earth. Otherwise, for the rest of your life, you will run after superstars. And never become God's star. And everything I say by his grace and mercy is never to be prideful or arrogant. I say this, you need to realize this, that God chose my calling before I was born. Galatians chapter 1 verse 15, New Living Translation. It pleased God in the kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. It's in the Bible. What undeserved mercy. So what must I do? Get rid of excess baggage that slows you down and puts you on guilt trips and don't feel that you are worthy enough and just let it go. That's the danger when life smacks you and clap you and trample on you. Don't park there. There's always a way out. The fourth thing I need to know about my calling, my sins and my shortcomings doesn't change my call. Peter said, Jesus, I'm going to die with you. He said, I will never leave you. He said, before the cock, before yeah, crow, the cock crows, you will already deny me three times. Now he's there at the fire. Jesus has been arrested. And a little girl came and said, you one of them. He said, I don't know him. 
You look like him. You talk. I don't know. And then three times. Then he heard, and Peter was in trouble. What was his words? I will go fishing. So we went right back. A few days ago, he wants to cut off one of the soldiers' ear. He said, I go fishing. Jesus crucified, buried. Now the women are there. And uh, they thought it was the gardener. And Jesus revealed himself. And listen, it was a woman who preached the first resurrection message. He said, go and tell my disciples. And Peter, wasn't Peter then a disciple? Why does Jesus lift him out? Because Peter had to battle my shortcoming and the mistake I made now. Listen, disqualify me from what I have been called for on the face of the earth. Paul addressed Timothy and he says, by calling me into his service, God now, he says, Jesus has judged me trustworthy. Even though I used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor and contemptuous. He says, mercy, however, was shown me. Because while I was lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. What Paul was saying, he said, I was a Christian terrorist. He dragged them, arrested them, have them killed. And then God called him. God, never consult your past. To determine your future. If that was the case. I would have a big F. Fail. That doesn't give you the legal right. To just do whatever you want to do. And say I'm under the blood. I am. No, no, no. God wants you to live responsible. And you see, the church world are there, and that's why we have these words, and that's why this instruction, and that's why there's uh, uh, the importance on the Word of God. Dr. Ulmer was writing his doctor's degree. And when they told him the thesis and everything, and then he said, okay, I know it all, I'm not going for any classes. I sat in Dr. Ulmer's service, and he's in California, powerful man. So, week, two weeks before the exam, he went to classes, and then he wrote the exam. When the professor handed him back the paper, this was the results. Good paper, good content, but you fail a big F and red, the wrong assignment. The church has a good paper, good content. Chairs, carpets, musicians, preachers, and but they fail not doing the assignment of go and make disciples. Nee, jere, ek wil lekker kerko. Die vrou van Samaria. There was no anointing. Nobody fell over. Anointing is here. You are anointed. I believe in falling. I fell myself. Pastor Van Wyk, one night in our conference, in our revival, uh, in the other building, I was standing in the worship and I didn't know what to do with the worship. Now, you know, then you know it's God because God doesn't have a main, this, this, it means in positional. 
And the next moment, he grabbed the mic out of my hand. Now, he was late 70s. And uh, the platform was a bit lower, I think, than this one. Or maybe this, no, it could be the same. The next moment, a power of God hit me off the platform. I slide on the carpet, end up underneath a chair. They had that other chairs, not this one. And there I was stuck. And he stood there with the mic. And I heard clearly, if you want it, you can have it. And I thought, how will I communicate to him to say that? Because you know he's Afrikaans. And I tried to get unglued and I couldn't. And the next moment in pure perfect English, he shout, if you want it, you can have it. And the power of God start moving and people start running. And it was holy chaos. But we can have holy chaos. Does that change me and motivate me to live out my calling? Otherwise, the auntie falls over, then I have the dookie. I help her up, next Sunday she falls over again. A lady came here and she said she and her husband, they want to be part of the church. And then she said, your church is not so anointed. I said, oh, help me that I can make adjustments in my life. She said, in the other church, I go from the front door to my seat. I fall six times. I only fall three times in your church. To doch ek, ek gaan jou a banana klap gee. A fetko klap. To try to underestimate the intelligence by coming with charismania. Now, I believe in all people. I've seen the gold by his grace. We've seen the manna. I've seen the oil flow. I've seen the manifestations of God. But if that doesn't change me, more of Jesus in me, God can anoint a broomstick. They, in the, they stand in front of the Red Sea and everybody complaining because Pharaoh is coming on the sides. He's the wilderness. And you know what God's got, Moses? What do you have in your hand? He said, a broomstick. A staff. Stretch it out. Boom. Water depart. Peter said, Jesus, we're in big trouble. SARS is behind us. We didn't pay them. He said, go and catch the fish. The first fish you catch. God anoint a fish. We'll have money. You see, we have this mentality that the anointing, oh, he's so anointed. There was a group here. You cannot walk to the gentleman like this you, you, on your knees. And they say, because he's so anointed. I said, the fly in my bathroom are more anointed than that. Because this is arrogance and pride. And that's not God's way of doing. God doesn't do things to put the focus and lift up a person. He's there to lift up his body. And we're all part of the body. Come on, somebody. So the, the, the fifth thing, and that's where I pick up quickly, is the fifth thing about what I need to know about my calling. My calling is permanent. Can I be honest with you? And you promise not to gossip. Are we, are we airing life? Oh, yes, we are. There were times when I told God years ago, leave me. Let me be a businessman that I can make billions and give it to the kingdom of God to outgive the stingy Christians. 
Then I pray again. I said, God, let go of me. But do you know you are tied to your calling as a lamb to be slaughtered? Because heaven has designed you to do the works of Jesus and greater works. That's why the enemy never fights you where you are. He's afraid where you're going. He's very afraid you will discover your potential, your capacity, and your ability. Nations are inside of you. Abraham, I've called you to be a father of the nations. What was Jesus' instruction? Go and make disciples of nations. Now, I have a few smart elects. I spoke to them about discipleship. No, no, I'm just called for that little group there in uh, Loxton. And uh, that's where I'm called to. I said, wow, I believe you're called there. But God called you for the nations. No, no, no. For a certain group. I said, hmm. Alle kinders van die is nie popos nie. Don't say that word in America. It means a very ugly word. You see, God has designed you. He said, the works I have done, you will do them also and you will do greater works. You are tied to your calling. It's permanent. You cannot change it. Well, at a certain age, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too sick, I'm too healthy, I'm too that. No! Your calling is permanent. God never makes mistakes. Have you discovered that? Because if you can understand Romans eleven twenty nine, God's gift and his callings are irrevocable. It's unherrubar, unveranderbar. Romans 11.29, New Living Translation. God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn. One day, we're going to stand. Ah, this, the Amplified Classic. For God's gift and His call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given. And He does not change His mind about those whom He gives His grace or to whom He sends His call. We chop and change couple phoned me yesterday from a gossip story that they were involved many, many years ago from Pretoria pastors. And they said, what must we do? Why don't people forget? Why don't they that? Why don't they? And we want to quit. And, we, and I gave them the scripture. People will try. They make a remark. Whoever is here, you ever flow in a gift or you did something that you feel, that was a wow moment. And somebody came and blow your bubble. And torpedo your assignment. Did you feel that feeling? It's like there's a thing that comes on you. You feel, so waar is God? I'll just go and sit there and mind my own business. And if ever you, anyone bothers me, I'll never go back. Have you felt that? Because it's Satan's way. He doesn't want you to realize God didn't make a mistake with you. You're his masterpiece. You, you designed by God for such phenomenal. Come on, people. That's why God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. My call, say my call, is permanent. What God has designed you, because your job is not permanent, you can lose your job. You can lose your business. That change. People say, I am a qualified 
motor mechanic, but I'm selling paint. Why? Because I lost my job. The company went bankrupt. But this call of God never can go bankrupt and never change. That's why it's your vocation. That's what scripture means with call. I'm called to be a fabricant man. No, that's just a job. Because there's a time when the company say, they give you the left foot of association and say, okay, you're 60, you're 65 or 55 or whatever. And there you go, booty. So fluffy fatum. And then you sit in trouble with emotions that you are fighting. But when you realize you are called, and I mentioned the seven callings that you have, that's unchangeable. You can never change it because God loves you. And number six, my calling is always connected to others. That's why you need to belong. I'm called for God, and I'm going to be this great evangelist, and I am just called, and God told me. I had somebody that told me, the Lord said, you never be part of a local church ever again. And I, my jaw went like, I said, is that biblical? No, the Bible tells me otherwise, but God spoke to me. You know, uh, the, 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 the God word in English is quite a God-fearing word. But when Afrikaans people say that word, God, then they say, God, this person tried that stunt on me. And I said, okay, I cannot convince you. I can give you scripture. But the Bible, to be on your assignment, you need to come in alignment. If you want godly direction, you need correction. That's why we disciple people. Bring correction. We don't know it all. Now, this is the thing. When you say, I am called, you are called and there's other people involved. You need to be connected. That's what Jesus called the 12 for. Because Ephesians chapter 4, for New Living Translations, we are all one body. Say we one body. This letter was written to the local church of Ephesus. He says we have the same spirit. You know, that stuff that people say, no, you don't discern. You discern maybe the person, but you cannot change God's spirit. We need to have the same spirit. Everything that contradicts what God says will oppose your calling. And family, Satan use people. I was a wild preacher years ago, and you can say, and one time I preached and I said, God, why did I say that? That was in the conference. And then I could see the shock on the moderator's face. I said, because when the, 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 the devils was cast out into the swine, I should have used that word, uh, he, he, they didn't want the devil, so they drowned themselves. I said, why is it that some people walk with devils? Help me, people. You must know your calling is connected to others. I, who, will, who doesn't want to lose an eye? All of us. 
or a finger or a leg. Not one. Do you know that eye, leg, nose is connected to a body? If I pull my eye out or somebody chop my arm off, that arm could fix cars, could paint, could do major things. But without the body, it's useless. Your eye without the body is useless. I lost part of my finger. I was phoning Nikki and uh, years ago when we were dating and uh, I went into this phone booth and it had a spring and a guy was there and when he opened the door, my finger went in between the door and the frame and when he released the door, it cut off my finger. So I picked my finger up, hope they can fix the thing. So now blood is everywhere and they rush with me to the hospital and the doctor said, no, we can amputate the rest. And I said, amputate this finger. No, thank you. So the bone was out. God really gave me a miracle. My mother prayed. But I kept the front part of the finger in a tissue in my closet. So after a week, I tell my mother, somewhere there's a dead rat in this place. Something stink horrible. Then she said, go see. There's no rats or mice in this place. I said, Mother, I don't know why. If I open my, the cupboard doors, I said, the stench. She said, after two, three weeks, now you must know. What did you do with your front part of your finger? I said, oh, my word. That's that. So I threw it away. Your finger without your body means nothing. Us without being connected. And when God called you, he's got other people in mind. He didn't call me to be a superstar and do the Michael Jackson stuff. And, uh, you know, I preached for a person and the place was packed. And I thought, now where's the pastor? And I asked the ushers, is the pastor on holiday sick? I said, no, no, pastor will be here now. When you hear the sound of that music, there's a certain song. Then pastor appear out behind the curtains. And then I said, oh, Jesus, Hollywood. Now, you know, I can tease. And when I start laughing, nothing stops me. And then suddenly I heard that song. Do -do -do -do! How great thou art. And the next moment the curtains came out. Now this person, if you speak to them, they're sweet and calm and timid. But Jesus, when they came out behind, that's like the faces make up. And a light from there at the back, a can, shines on him. And then everybody stood up and I said, ooh, wow, superstar. So I asked the people afterwards, I said, can you ever visit? No, he's too holy. Superstars. Vian, that sound for a place, then the 
prophet. And then he said, if you want to touch the prophet's feet, how much? 3,000 or 3,500? 5,000. Those people don't have food for nothing, but they have, they run in crowds to the front to touch his feet and throw 5,000. You can touch mine for free. I touch my own feet. For free. This is the world, people. This is reality. We must wake up because good content, good paper, but the big F, we fail to get people redeemed, set free out of the snares of the devil. Now we try with Christian mania and this Christian knees and that doesn't impress God. You can only be genuine when you are you. If you're anything different in God's presence than what you are at the house, there's a chub on your forehead made in China. Plastic. Listen, let me finish. This is important. My calling is connected to other people. When I heard Pastor Teresa passed away, I was here at the art class. I didn't. I said, I'm going. I had an appointment with people for Tuesday. I phoned them immediately. I said, come and see me now. I don't have time to waste. I sat last night with them. I said, the reason for your visit and my visit here, people are dying. What are you going to do about your life? You have, you're gifted, you're talented. I said, as long as you are leaking winds of the past, you never, you've got something to contribute in this world to change a nation. You cannot just sit here. He said, she said, they said. The beginning here, she and cry fountain, it was unknown because when we started in 1981, people start slain in the spirit and our services and everything. And you know what was the gossip story? People saw me charge a 12-volt battery at uh, the garage, the BP garage from the Merva Motors here, and I've got two copper wires in my arm, and I shock them. I said, no, that's not the battery. This is of it, that you think it's a battery. No, I was much bigger. Then the other lady said, she said, I was, she watched me. I lay hands on people, then I press this vein, then they pass out because of a lack of oxygen. The stories people can produce why souls are dying and people are going to hell. Every person that dies and that died, 164 pastors I know, I don't have time to waste. You are important to God. He wants you. He called you. He designed you. Well, I need to wait six. No, no, you don't have time to waste. You will never know if that's the last service. We, we baptized. We, we owned the caravan park, and I had a big tent, and we did services years ago. There's an Olympic swimming pool. We baptized a lot of people. We're going to baptize people. There's a baptismal thing here. And Tani de Roo came. She's an old apostolic. She came the first time to a crazy charismatic service. 
Now, we were not as calm, you know, the, the covered thing, you cannot touch. No, we, we, we can, we hook out. And while we baptized people, she came to me, she said, she first said, priest. I said, priest. She said, a voice just spoke to me. I cannot leave this property unless I'm baptized tonight. I said, did you bring a towel close? No, nothing. Uh, I said, okay, we'll put the lights off. Because, you know, she came out of Van Riebeek. She had that underwear that the ladies wear. You covered from your neck to your toes. And, you know, she said, uh, this is what I have on. I said, okay, we'll put the lights off. The light will not shine on you. And we'll baptize you. Got in the water. I baptized her. She got out of the water, went in the bathroom and sat there and dropped dead. I can tell you incidences like this that you, I will work on your nerves later on. I've realized. I left my mother, walked out of the hospital room, came back, and here's somebody murdering her. You, 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 you don't understand time. You and I don't have time because excuses will keep you in pain. It will be, keep you in a parking lot somewhere. I took only two callings in my life. All the other churches I built from scratch by his grace and mercy. And uh, we took a church in Pretoria on Eastland. And the elder, there was a big elder. He was working on the railway. He had that little tussie. And he's a huge man, six foot seven. And as long as he's, this is how wide. And he, he's got a mustache, one of those that he... The motorbike handle thing. So Saturday night was my first message to preach there. And Sunday morning, I sat there. Now they run the show. And when they announce I'm going to preach, he's the one. He kicked the chair what I was sitting on completely over. I fell there to embarrass me. And I was early 20s. And I think, Booty, I'm the wrong person. I'm not here for my own plan. I'm not here for money. I'm not here for fame. I'm here to see a community change. He became my greatest fan later on. Because he saw I'm not going to be intimidated. And it's not arrogance or pride. It's because God connects you to others when he called you. Your arm, a leg, a body part, and you need to be useful. Let me give you the last two. Number seven, God empowers what he calls me to do. He empowers. That's why we have the power school of ministry. That's why we need to come to the service. Well, I only go if God leads me to go to the service. I had a lady. She traveled to our services. She comes out of a highly educated. And then I said, I saw your car in the parking lot, but you left. She said, you know, I operate by anointing. Now, she just gave her heart two months ago. I said, what do you mean? She got involved with a group of people uh, about the anointing. She said, when I go to church, I raise my hand above my head. And if I feel goosebumps, it's a yes. If I don't feel goosebumps, it's a no. She said, and that Sunday morning, I came in the church parking lot, and I said, anointing, confirm if I must be in the service this morning. She said, and nothing happened, and then I know God doesn't want me to be there. Cuckoo! 
The sad thing was she had such potential. She got in that avenue. And you know one lie, I'm going to build on another lie. And later on you are so involved in lies and in deception. That's what Paul was addressing to the church of Galatians. Who bewitched you, O church of Galatians, that took you away from the true message of Jesus? That letter was written to Christians. God empowers what he calls me to do. Ephesians 4.1 I now urge to you to live the life to which God called you. Say, I need to live the life God has called me. Many lives is going to be impacted through you. You're going to change so many lives. You say, Gustav, do you think? Yes, exactly, because your life experience, what you came through is going to help somebody else how to be victorious and an overcomer and to conquer. That I saw Ephesians there. I therefore, the prisoner, I therefore, the great apostle and the prophet and the teacher and the evangelist, for God's bargain. No. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. It's Paul speaking. Appeal to and beg you to walk. To lead a life worthy of the divine calling. To which you have been called with behavior. That is a credit to the summons to God's service. That's how God called us. John chapter 3. John the Baptist says. I must get less so that God can become more. If we all can just let go of ourselves and, and say, Jesus, just you. I want people to see more of Jesus in me. Help me, people. Do you think if Jesus would be alive, he would sit at the tables today that's going on and where people are serving? He would not. Told somebody this week, I said, you think I was wild. Jesus came with a whip and he turned the tables upside down. Said, you made my father's house. Jesus speaking about the temple, the local church there. A den of thieves. And he some bock a la booty. This is the key word, people. Second Thessalonians 1.11 NCV. That is why we always pray for you. Asking our God to help you to live the kind of life he called you to live. We pray that with his power, God will help you to do the good things you want and perform the works that comes from your faith. God called you for great works, phenomenal works, and it's all about the lost. Jesus didn't pay first for me to have a Jaguar. Now, I had Jaguars before, but that's not the reason. All that uh, a lot of money. No, he redeemed you from the curse that you can be blessed. What did he paid for? To redeem us from the curse of the law so that sinners can come to repentance. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Explain. You possess. You have it. It's a gift in your life. The greatest calling of ever. He made you. Then he gave you so that you can become. He made you. Second Corinthians 5, 7, he made us now new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, is what engrafted? So I cannot date God. Oh, you Sunday thing, baby, I'm coming. Oh, it's a seven day a week. It's a lifestyle. 
<laughs> we were very religious when I was a child because my father preached and we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. My dad was out Monday nights, Tuesday night. They went from home to home. Wednesday night church, Thursday night the choir, and Friday night they, and Saturday, I don't want to say what they did, and then Sunday. We were so religious, you could voodoo with us. But you must be engrafted in Christ. He says, the Messiah, he is a new creation. In other words, the old. That's why Nicodemus said, what must I do to inherit? He said, you must be born again. He says, a new creature altogether. The old, the previous, the moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Verse number 18. Listen, now they're your new creature. But all things are born from God, who through Jesus Christ reconcile us to whom? To himself. It didn't say, I cannot draw people to me. I didn't die. I don't have a heaven to give you. It was Jesus. He says, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, into unity. He says, and gave to us, not he's going to give it, not one day, not wait six months. The moment when you become a new creature, the gift, the greatest calling comes with it. He says, he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him, bring others into Christ. So he, he, he made me a new creature. Then he gave me. God didn't make you to be born again and said, okay, my sweet little thingy, sit on the chair and wait for me to come one day. No, he designed you. He believed in you. He wants you. The only thing you're going to take into eternity is people. I had funeral homes. And when we did Hindu funerals at the crematorium, before that body goes in that furnace, the family and friends and everybody's there. They pack rice in, water in, gold watches in, rings in, and no 50, 120, or 10 rand notes. It's all 200 rand notes. And they, I said to the manager, I said, why do they do? No, they believe him. We will not come poor on the other side and he will be taken care and I said, you stupid, build the door on the other side. As they push in the coffin, you pull the thing out, get the money and the gold and everything, and put the sucker back and toast him. I said, how stupid can a person be? If it's not Christ here, you're in trouble when you die. You know, this lady... She and her husband was married in community of property, and then they busy get a divorce. He was a multi-zillionaire. And because he's angry, he wrote in his will, everything that he has must be buried with him. So at the funeral, they couldn't understand this happy widow. And then the pastor said, Sister, I hope you honored his word. She said, Yes, I did. He said, How? She said, I wrote a check with a big amount that is estate, and I put it with him in the coffin, so it's buried with him. 
He made you a new creature. He gave you the greatest ministry. Let's put on, please, uh, verse number 20. 2 Corinthians 5, 20. So that we can become. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Uno, dos. Thank you. So we are Christ. What? Did you read the word you are ambassador? Do you, do, do you know what is ambassador? He goes to another country. The American embassy, when America have holidays there, the embassy is not open here. They are paid in American dollars here. When we have public holidays, they've got nothing to do with it. Jan van Riebeek dag en Friedag en wat dag. But when they, because they live from another country, they are fed, taken well care of. Now the Bible says you in this world, not from this world. This is what God does. This is what born again mean. He made you a new creature. He gave you the greatest, 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 greatest ministry. The only ministry that the Bible calls you a wise man and that heaven rejoice. He who won souls is wise. It didn't say my degree. It didn't say my title. He who wins souls is wise. When a sinner comes to repentance, heaven rejoice. It didn't say when I preach, God stands there and say, Wow, do it, do it, do it, do it. No. It says, you have it. You see, through the years, the enemy wants to belittle you and let you feel unworthy. Now, people ask me, they say, give me two words that can describe a, a life of significance. Because if you're in survival mode, you, you're either going in a storm, you're in a storm, or coming out of a storm, then it's survival. God never called you for survival. Or just exist. Or just be successful with a three-story house and five billion in your name, and you have a yacht and a jet and a whatever. Now, you can have that. But if you don't live out significant success. I know very wealthy people. They're depressed, they're oppressed, they want to blow out their brains. They have no hope. Their marriages fall apart, their children is wild, and they say, we're successful. I told you when the ambassador told me when we were in the Bahamas with Sean Connery, James Bond, and he said, oh, Mr. Connery is very successful. I said, yes, Mr. Ambassador, but he's not significant. Because he's driven by hate and by alcohol. And uh, he hates the Queen of England. He wants to separate Scotland. He puts billions with the referendum into Scotland. But think how many lives he could have changed if he knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. And how many missionaries he could have kept on the field. And this is what scripture says. So we are Christ ambassadors. God making his appeal as if were through us, through you and me. He says, we as Christ's personal, personal representatives. I cannot say I serve God and present him different. His personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. You have the greatest ministry. It's not a title. It's not standing here. When the revival broke out, pastor phoned me from uh, the UK. And he said, there will be services. God doesn't want you to preach. He's got other preachers sitting in the pews. And it happened. 
because I've learned that whosoever, when the revival hit South Africa in 2013, and that night when we took over from God TV and taught on them, and then the Lord said, with altar calls, you never pray alone ever again in your life for people. Because the end time move will be a nameless and a faceless move. It's the whosoever. And God is after the whosoever. It's got nothing to do with money, the area you live in, with your status, with your titles, with what. It's the whosoever is available. The end time move will be nameless and faceless. So people say, give me two words. I said, stay meek and stay teachable. If you stop learning, you stop living. If you stop living, you start dying. Now, I'm not against education. No, no. I said, let's get and let's do things for God. But God empowers what he calls me to do. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 NIV. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Say, God is faithful. God has called me. Say, God has called me. So I have a great calling from God in my life. It's to serve the body. To serve, serve people. Greatness doesn't come with status. It comes with serving. It's one day when Jesus comes and we're going home. We will be rewarded. How did we serve on the face of the earth? He will rule. If you are a servant, you're going to rule. And the last one is. There's a prize. For living by calling. God's going to reward you. He's going to reward you. I don't preach for rewards on the face of the earth. Every service at the door, people say, that's reform me, whatever. I say, wow, what a service. It helped me, it changed me, and it brings me hope. And I don't preach for that. I preach so that lives can be impacted and changed. I went to preach at LWPC, and uh, after the service, a man came to me and said, when are you going again? I just returned from the States. I said, Uncle, I've just arrived. He said, I said, why? He said, now I've listened to your daughter. She does a much better job than you. You can go. I said, shake my hand. The Americans will rather fly Tasha in or Yaku in and Lanzel in than me in. I said, I'll come. No, we don't want you. We want them. I said, praise the Lord. Because somewhere I know I must have done something different. That could unlock the greatness out of people. There's a high price. And it's called faithfulness. If I'm faithful in the little. What people see today is all the stories and the buildings and the farm and all the ministries and all the things. But they never knew when I walked with my feet 76 miles a week. From Zandam Farm. They never knew the persecution, the, the sugar in the petrol tank, the AWB cut the brake pipes. The mayor called me in to chuck me out of town. They, they sent every traffic officer to find the cars, even though they were, we were through a lot of persecution. Then the Korea mafia wants to come and take me out. I was in America ready to fly in. Lanzel phoned me, she said, Daddy, don't fly back. Miralda's husband was the eye to see, I see to eye of the mayor at that time. And uh, he had to fetch something in her top drawer. She said, there's a hitting list that stands there. And your name is on the top list. They're going to take you out. 
Twice people put guns in front of my head. I can tell you story upon story. I was poisoned in Korea. The persecution. So people see today the glitz and the glamour. To share in the glory, you need to know the story. But it cost a high price. I tried to run away out of South Africa to Southwest Africa. I got a calling to Mariental AFM. And uh, they offered me a Mercedes-Benz and a parsonage and all the stuff. And the night when I walked into the foyer to preach, I heard the voice of God. What do you think you're doing here? Zal and then was still small. Priscilla and Andres, I think, was with and Herman. And I, I, I sent somebody, I said, tell them when I say amen, that benediction thing. I said, start the car. I don't sleep here. I don't want money from this church. I'm in big trouble with God. I'm outside the plan of God. I try to run away. I need to be in Cryfontaine. I hate that Cryfontaine with every fiber of my being. 2001, I sat in the government's house, and uh, Gary and I, Anne, he was the legislator, he ran for lieutenant governor, and we have services for the legislators and uh, the, uh, what's the other people, the higher people, Congress people. While I wait, I heard the voice of God. Until you marry your Leah, Cryfontaine, your Rachel can never produce the dream. I hate it, Cryfontaine. I hated my position. And that day I said, God, forgive me. I will love cry brakis. Jesus, I thought I know you until I come in crying fontaine. And here I am by his grace and mercy, 42 years. And we have seen the hand of God move in a supernatural way. That's beyond human reason and human ability. Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal. I'm closing, musicians come. To do what? To win the prize which God has called me. Heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to hear one day. I don't want to hear, Gustav, you have missed it. I want to hear, come thy faithful servant. Come in, thy faithful servant. He says, I press on towards the goal. You must press on. Uh, somewhere in one of the campuses, they have a big picture of mine when I was running for the Olympics for South Africa with the torch. And uh, on there, they, they have the scripture on. Press on towards the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. The last scripture, 1 Thessalonians 2.12, TEV, live the kind of life that pleases God, who calls you to share in his own kingdom and glory. God took better care of me than I was a businessman that the business could. He took better care of us as a family and of this ministry. When I had false prophets came and said, the Lord said, you're never going to make it there. People say, those people in Cryfontaine have a Cryfontaine mentality. That's okay, that's okay. Just keep it. They can never take you to the next dimensions. We don't speak about levels, dimensions. He says, to live lives worthy of God. 
who calls you into his own kingdom and the glorious blessedness into which true believers will enter after Christ's return. This morning, family and every viewer, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior this morning, I want to help you. Jesus is the answer. You see, we can do our lives our way or do it God's way. I'd rather do it Jesus' way. He said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the light. I am the life. He's the everything. He says, you must come through the door. Remember the messages we preach about the door when we had that door? Jesus is the door. He said, I am the gateway. I'm the door. And when you are in him and he gave you this powerful ministry, that ministry is to win the last for any cost. Just as my father has sent me, I sent you. It's not to go and say, well, now I'm on my own and I'm going to know we connected to a body. There's a local body. God wants you to function. There's first a local before there's a global. This garbage that people say, the invisible church. I told the person, I said, get the invisible pastor to bury you when you die. I'm not there because you're invisible. So no wonder you're not doing anything for God. We don't have time to waste. South Africa, you're on God's map. We don't have time to waste. God called you. He loves you. He wants to use you for His glory. Now, why is the service so long? You watch Titanic three hours. You watch the Olympic five hours. And that was not long. You sit in the car and wait while the doctors appoint hours. Then we don't complain. But this is the most powerful investment you will ever make in your life. To say, God, I'm yielding to the call. I'm not going to press the no call answer. I know a man, God called him before Ramah was here, Saddle for Billion, to build this humongous church. I was one of the pastors. And he started running from God. God said, build me the largest building that was ever built in South Africa and teach my people faith. And he started running. Then he started running away from the call. He sat in a Assemblies of God service where they had bread breaking. Nobody knows him. There's tongues and there's interpretation of tongues. And the interpretation was like this. How many times more must I call you to live out and build me this thing, the sanctuary I've asked you, to impact people, the nation of South Africa. Satan is after you. This is the last time I call you. Happened in the Bible the same. He said he jumped out there and he ran out of that service and never went back. He was a multi-billionaire. Lost everything. Went his whole life, family, everything to shambles. Today, he's in the 80s. He's got a replica of the White House built in Santon. The money of the world. But he said, I'm not happy. What keeps people of coming in God's call? Pride. He said, I'm too old. I said, you're never too old. Caleb was 86 and he says, give me the mountains. This morning, family, we have just one choice. God's way or my way. The first place where human beings oppose God was in the Garden of Gethsemane, where people start doing it their way. Adam and Eve. Jesus came. He had to shed his blood on Calvary. But the first place where he shed his blood 
was in the garden of Gethsemane. The first sin happened in the garden. Jesus come and pray in the garden and listen what he prays. This is what we're going to pray. He said, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass me by. But not my will, your will be done. He prayed more earnestly that his sweat become like blood. And he hand over his will to the Father. That's the way out. Your will connect with God's will. You will stand amazed what God's going to do in your lifetime through you. And if you're that person this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I give you an opportunity. Maybe you served God in spirit and in truth and you backslid. Just time to slide back. Don't let guilt and condemnation and the accuser of the brethren accuse you in your mind of the all what beasts could have. Why didn't I? It's, you can do nothing about yesterday. Everything about now. God created you to be a winner and winners push through the barriers. I had sentences over my life where the doctor gave me a week to live. He said, I'm going to die. And then I pushed through. And here I am. God had supernatural miracles. I had times when I realized if God's not going to do it, I cannot do it. But my prayer was always your will. I hand my will, my will. Our will is the biggest problem. Well, I'll show you. We didn't do it that way. I'm not used to this kind. Why didn't they do it? Can you imagine when the revival broke out and people flying in all over the world that the people from the 70 revivals and 80s was fighting me and saying, if this is true God, why doesn't the woman have hats on their head? I said, oh, you love Cremora. Love it. It's not inside, it's on top. Why do they wear make all this junk? I said, that doesn't disqualify you to serve God. I said, I came out of that rubbish. I said, we need to get the lost saved. That's why we're reaching 3,000 families right now by feeding and impacting. And we've got teams in the week and we're busy seven days a week, this ministry, to feed, to rescue babies. We've got a new baby, four and a half months. She's just a bit taller than a detergent, than dishwasher bottle. She weighs two kilograms. She needs to be fed eight times a day. <laughs> and uh, I can tell you stories of babies that was picked up from the trash heap. The mother wants to sell it to the witch doctor for 50 bucks. We rescue them. I don't have time to play. This morning. There's an urge in my heart. To see you all change the world. Be world changers. Share the good news. Get people to Jesus. And if you're that person this morning, let's say, good stuff, I yield to the call. I say yes. I say yes. I want to sing. I give myself away so that you can use me. That's why we have developed a thing to kickstart you, to get you going. Because a body is active. Every 
body part. And you'll see in a few minutes, there will be a clip playing. And there's a station at the back to say, here I am, connect me, make me part of the dream team. I want to change the world for Jesus. If it's about souls, I'll help you to get on the stadiums. I'll help you. That's what I've done. Gave many tents away, help people. We've gave sound systems, get people in the mission field, do stuff. Because time needs to be redeemed. That you will make your calling sure today. If you're that person, will you stand with me right now? Father, I thank you in the glorious name of Jesus, the living Christ, for this awesome group of people that say, Lord, I cannot just be a floater and just be, I need to fulfill my function, my godly. You made me a new creature. You gave me the greatest ministry to reconcile people back to God. And you made me your personal representative, Jesus. Will you say it? Say, Jesus, here I am this morning. I'm going to represent you on the face of the earth as you has called me. Thank you for using earthen vessels. I thank you this morning, Lord. I don't need to be parking yesterday. I move forward. I come out of obscurity. I've come out of narrow places. I come up out of difficult places. And this morning I say yes to Jesus. And devil, I say no to you. I say no, no longer, no longer. You have authority and dominion, people. Use it. God wants to use you so that you can impact and change the world. Father, I say thank you. We hear for the calling, we say yes. We say yes. If you don't know Jesus, say, Lord Jesus, I confess this morning that I am a sinner. Forgive me my sin, wash me in the blood. Put my name in the book of life. Lord, from this day on, I will serve you and I will be Christ's personal representative. Distance and situations will not keep me back because I'm hungry and thirsty for more. I give myself away this morning so that you can use me. Will you say it? Say, Jesus, here I am. I give myself away so that you can use me. Use me, oh God. Look at all the young people. Look at everybody. A person of impact for His glory. Hallelujah. Will they put on that clip? I'm going to ask Pastor Peter to come and pray and release us before he comes. That's a short clip that somebody wants to encourage you. There's some hot chocolate there for you at the back and say, I'm here. I want to be connected for what God is doing to be a disciple of Jesus. Hi. Thank you that you've joined us today at Lovedale International. And we are so excited that you came to visit us. As you've heard, we've spoken about the calling. And we would love to kickstart off your journey in finding out who you are in the Lord. So we would love to meet you at the back and just connect with you in the foyer. As well as our first time guest. Thank you so much for joining us. We are excited to have you here. And we would love to connect with you as well in the foyer. And those that have given their hearts to the Lord, we we are excited and we are happy for your decision. And we would love to connect with you at the back as well.
Hallelujah. Our eternal God and Heavenly Father, thank you for your strong visitation. Thank you for your rhema word, word in season. You're an amazing God, and so today, Father, you have fed our inner man, our spirit man. Thank you, you taught us and reminded us that we should follow instruction. You are the soon coming King, the greatest altar call that the world has ever came to know or experience is the season we're currently in. But today also, Lord, we know we are more than conquerors. We're in this world, but we are not from this world. That's why we, we enjoy this morning's um, equipment. We've been equipped, we've been taught, we've been directed. You are the soon coming King. So bless our hearts, Father. As your word has took settlement into our spirit, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May we live in the word of today, the rhema word. Help us, Lord, that we will not be found of God. But when you come, Lord, that we will be prepared to meet you because you are the soon coming King. Bless our hearts, Father. Thank you. You brought us here. You're the same God. You're complete God. You're Alpha and you're Omega. You will take us home back again. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.